podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by James Paddy and Miff as we cover all things Celtic. The last round of fixtures before the split saw Celtic increase the lead at the top of the table to 13 points despite being held to a one-each draw with Motherwell. A couple of ex-Celts played a hand in that with Barry Robson and Liam Scales ensuring Aberdeen took all three points on Sunday against second-place Rangers, meaning Celtic are now just 1-1 from reclaiming the Scottish Premiership title. Muff, 1-1 from the title and you could argue 1-1 from the Scottish Cup, although I'm sure Falkirk and Inverness will have something to say about that. Your brief thoughts on the weekend's shenanigans and your Celtic moment of the week, please. Hello Tino, hello James, hello Paddy, hello listeners and viewers. Um, on leaving Celtic Park on Saturday I was a wee bit, wee bit deflated, but probably more frustrated than deflated, just frustrated that I was not really hitting our stride. Then even by the time I get back to the bus, big deep breath and you say, well, if there's a team in the land that's earned an off day, it's this team. There's also mitigating factors as well around players that are missing. Um, so yeah, all in all, the way that then the subsequent results went the weekend meant it was a, it was a brilliant weekend extended the lead brilliant um, my moment of the week uh, is actually a tip or a nod to the Green Brigade for the display that they produced pre-match on, on Saturday I thought it was absolutely outstanding it was obviously in the expectation that we would blow Motherwell away and be a lot closer to the title and they end up it became a wee, a wee bit flat but the, it almost gets taken for granted the backing that they, they give the team uh, you know, we just turn up every week and we're there with our phones ready as the team come out to see what, the, what they've done next. I just thought it was a really colourful and vibrant display that they gave the team yet again. Um, and and they, play, they play their part in what is a, a magnificent atmosphere at, at Celtic Park. But I'll bring, we'll, we'll be discussing things about so, fans' expectations in, in more depth, but I think we've all got a bit of responsibility to back that up, certainly for home games, to make it a fortress and not just sit in our hands and just wait, wait to be entertained. Yep, I think that's fair enough. James, only the third time this season we've dropped points in the league, so 33 league games and 30 wins out of that. No big issue in the bigger picture, as Miff has suggested, but what's your thoughts on the draw with Motherwell and your own moment of the week? Eh, I, I don't think there's anything endemic in it. You know, it's, there's nothing long-term to worry about. If you'd seen you, you boys earlier on, if we'd been offered at the start of the season, you'll win the league early May with two draws and a loss to your name. You know, you'd be pretty happy with that. you take it all day. So we've been well spoiled with the form and with the standard set by Ange, there was just a lot of things that didn't quite click on Saturday. You know, some fans were saying referee didn't add on the time and stuff, and he didn't, and that's something we need to address as a footballing country. But we could have played the midnight and no scored another one, so I, I, that's not what beat us yeah, on Saturday. So, fine with that. Moment of the week, as you all know, I'm a keen uh, loan watcher of you know, Celtic's players are out on loan, and uh, this week I'm going to put in Liam Scales for my loan watch of the week and Celtic moment of the week. Um, a, a fine goal he scored on Sunday um, meant it every every well, single inch. And I, I believe, James, your loan watch feature is probably amongst um, our listeners' favourite. Yeah. Sections of the show starting now, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just so insightful. Did you see Skillsy's wee video where he just kind of winks at the camera? Of course, I meant it. He just seems a really good lad, though, doesn't he? Seems I, a really good lad. Bill came out and called it a miss kick, which is just showing your lack of class. He you also know? called Barry Robson Derek in <laughs> his comments. <laughs> he is all over the gaff, but we'll maybe get to that. I, I, and I also have to say, sorry, sorry, just to jump in, I'm derailing things here at a very early stage. It still irks me that Barry Robson felt like it booed off us. I don't know where that's came from. I would like no. to get him on the show. 
But for who? He said, he said, he said, he said, no, he said, I had Celtic and Celtic and Rangers fan both don't like me. He said that in a comment I in, in fairly him. recent weeks. No. And I was, I, I loved him. Absolutely. Well, I, well, I absolutely yeah. adored him. So I, I want that message out there. Yeah. Myth loves you, Barry. There's a there's a big love in for him. We talked uh, about unsung heroes recently. I think just in the last Aye, couple of weeks, yes. he featured there before his uh, magical weekend there. So yep, all good with Barry. Uh, Paddy, your prediction of a twenty point league winning margin is back on track thanks to Barry Robson and Co. Can you see us increasing in the five remaining games? Oh, definitely. We've got the game against them. Um, I think we 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 pick up from where we we left off in the next the next few games coming up. Um, we will increase. Are leading the in in the league, and I, I generally think that you know that yesterday was for a lot of their players toys out the pram. I'm not I'm not yeah, doing yeah. anything anymore, and I think we'll see that kind of creep into a lot of their games running up to the end of the season. I'll see uh, it Sunday. Aye, probably, probably, but even in the league as well, there's they're not going to lose second place. They're not going to get first place. They've got nothing really to play for, and there's teams below them that have got everything to play for. It's going to be a hard run in for them. Um, so yeah, I can see a wee bit of a, a capitulation for them, which is brilliant. I hope so. And your moment of the week, Barry? My moment of the week, obviously, I think I'm not alone in this, but when these kind of results happen, it's uh, one place I like to go on is uh, certain forums, one of them being Follow Follow. And my favourite um, part of that, the, the weekend is kind of just the aftermath of these games and watching the tremendous takes, even the, the, the takes after our game on Saturday, where a lot of them were saying, you know, if uh, Clancy. Clancy never made the mistakes... We, we would be in this Clancy's got blood on his Clancy's hands Clancy's got blood on his hands Father Clancy's got blood on his hands But on scrolling It was actually just The point uh, Made me fully realise How dominant we've been as a team uh, They've got a, a heading I think it's a guy Dingwall That runs a lot of that website And they've got a, a heading Basically um, Promoting and selling tickets um, Since it's 20 years Since they clinched Title 50 And won the treble And I just thought to myself let that sink in mm. 20 years ago uh, so they've only won five in the last 20 years I just think that's incredible for Celtic I yeah. really do so that's my moment of the week right there Get what a time to be alive it's amazing <laughs> it's, it's amazing. an interesting mix I mean my fears comes for the heart of Celtic Park James is from Pataudry and yours is from follow, follow. deepest darkest online <laughs> it's an interesting space to be in lads but I can't argue with any of them Okay, let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. So we'll get started with the big topic and on the back of Celtic's draw at the weekend, we'll look at a very interesting pattern that's emerged over the last two seasons now when it comes to how Celtic respond to such results. Then it's time for this week's Mystery Cell where the lads will be tasked once again with naming the mystery former player. After that is this week's listener's question which suggests a novel approach to dealing with any set pieces we may face in Sunday's semi-final. And finally, we'll close out the show by bringing you something which we think you'll enjoy from this week in Celtic Media. Okay, let's get the ball rolling with this week's big topic. Miff, you ready for some info? Always. Always, aye. You, you sound it. In Celtic's 40 domestic games so far this season across the League, League Cup and Scottish Cup, we've won an impressive 37 of them. This means that Saturday's one each draw with Motherwell is one of just three times this season that we've failed to get the win and it's really incredible consistency so far. Last season, we played a total of 46 domestic games, one in 36 in total and failing to win on the other 10 occasions. So where am I going with this information? I hear you ask slash scream at me with your eyes, Paddy. Well, the most interesting stat of all here is that every time Celtic have either lost or drawn domestically over these last two seasons, so that's 12 occasions so far in total, We've responded by winning our next domestic fixture every single time. Now, there might be a number of reasons for that and we'll explore them shortly, but James, what do you make of that pattern, first of all? I think it just shows you that 
it's hands all over really you know everyone's human he talks about them being people they're not robots Celtic Park and Linux are safe places to make mistakes not to repeat mistakes but to make mistakes and learn from them and that for me is is just writ large there in what you're saying so made mistakes didn't quite get up to the mark don't come back in next week doing the same thing so that's that's, that's how it works for me for Ange yeah, What do you make of it Miff? so you know we're going to falter at different times, Saturday being the, the most recent example, but cliche and all that stuff, it's how you respond, it's how you get back up and all that. Well, well part part of the fun in, in supporting the Celtic team is watching the small habits of the manager and seeing how gradually more angry he gets when things aren't going to his satisfaction. And that, I mean, by, by the end, he just became absolutely stationary with his arms folded. Like you could just feel the rage emanating from within him. And it wasn't through lack of effort for the players, but they, they just seemed, and it's very rare for this Celtic team, they seemed so one-dimensional. And in fairness to Ange, he's actually made a change and put on somebody in Vata who's done something that nobody else had really done in the game, been really direct, went to the byline, swung a corner in for a six-foot-two centre-forward, and he's put the ball by the post. I mean, really, and really the manager's done everything he he's can do. He's done his do. job, yeah. He's done his job. The players, to a degree, have done their job apart from one, and he's put it back. Now, I'm not laying the blame on Big O by any manner of means, but my point is, most times that header goes in, and all the other fluff around the performance is generally forgotten about. This week it didn't, it went by the post. But what I think you then see is, publicly the manager backing the players, as he always does, and that you know that, that message of they're human, and these things happen, can be brilliant every week, all that. But we've got a manager who wants us to be brilliant every week. Um so I think you talk about Celtic Park being a safe space. I don't think it would have been at five forty-five and Saturday. Right. I think I think the players would have felt his wrath. So the media couldn't get the players uh, out for pieces to camera for ages after because they were locked in. Were so they? that'll be a, aye, oh, that'll be a good debrief. Yeah, yeah, it'd been an interesting discussion. Just I was just reminded, Miff, when you mentioned Rockova uh, when he came on, I actually seen a bit of criticism of him on, online, I, which I, I couldn't I, believe. I, I, I my. my um, in my group chat my mates said that um, Donald had him really quiet I, I was a bit like well he really only had two chances to do something with the ball and I thought he did something both times I, th- I thought we'd done I'd done the post-match with Kush after the game on Saturday and I thought initially that I was a wee bit nervy he was you know just kind of finding his feet he's a young young guy coming on at a full Celtic park and he just a couple of touches he played it safe and he, he wasn't taking any chances and then he, you could see that he con- his confidence grew and he's whipped in those those two balls. The one for O is the perfect delivery. It's actually dipping and swerving. It's a great cross. Um, and I thought the one for Starfield was a huge chance as well. If you as a winger come on with limited time and create two gutted chances, you have done your job. Just, just to touch on Starfield, he ran past the ball twice in the first half as well, three headers. Just ran right past the ball. Didn't see that. We'll save the Starfield. Paddy won't have seen it. Paddy definitely won't have seen it. But I've seen it. <laughs> um, but I just thought that as a young kid get on there, he should have one, if not two, assists to his Celtic name on the back of that. And I think he's really. In fact, he put one on a plate for all at Rugby Park as well. If we're getting right into it, anyway, it's not about Vata, Rocco Vata today. But I think he's been spot on since he came in, and hopefully his form continues to pick up. Paddy, I think just in terms of Celtic's kind of match winning response, which I've spoken about so on these twelve occasions and how we've replied. It could be down to a few different things. Uh, I think James suggested there. It could be an old-fashioned rocket from the manager. You know, if you get something like that from Ange, you're not going to repeat it in a hurry. So that in itself could be something, you know, behind the, the response. And a similar vein, it could just then be a, a renewed focus around any perceived complacency. So I'm sure they'll be sitting today, tomorrow and in the days ahead 
just looking at where they went wrong or what they could have done better, you know, against Malone, maybe just a bit of a renewed focus. Or if it could simply be the, the law of averages, you know, this is a team that by and large just won the high percentage of their games and now and then you're, you're bounty of the odd blip here and there. So what do you think, Paddy? What do you think the main reason behind the response is? I think... For me, we've all watched enough media surrounding Ange um, since he's arrived at Celtic. I think the more we get, the better, to be honest. Um, Stuff coming from his previous managerial roles across the world. Um, The one that sticks out for me is when he's got the um, Australian team and he's got them in the... um, It's like the, basically the university, like... Uh, The media room Media room type of thing. Um, And he's just not holding back. And I don't see him being different with any team whatsoever. What I do think... that frustration is born out of us is that he knows that the team that are on the park or those waiting in the bench ready to come on are capable to go and get the victory. So it's totally born out of frustration. We do we do see those stances that he takes when things aren't going and, and you can definitely see that he's seething, in my opinion. And I think that it's more down to, he's not, it's going to be the whole um, mother, father, son cliche here. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. I generally think that it's going to be that to, to his team. What I said to the guys on Saturday was, and I actually think that <clears throat> maybe this result is a little blessing in disguise um, for us to, like you say, regroup, refocus, take a look at what we've got coming up this uh, this Sunday and go and put it right. Uh, and I tell you what, it's it's not 11 players looking to put it right, it's a squad of 22 that want to go and put it right. And I, I generally think that that's where they're at as a team. Um, we've got a manager that knows them inside out. I don't think he's going to be hell for leather on them. I just generally think he'll be like, he'll, he'll question, you know, where's the mistakes came from. It's not his mistakes. It's the team's mistakes on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, James, I get the impression just from a player's point of view, he's the kind of manager you'd love to play for, but don't confuse, you know, all his positivity and all his experience with um, a guy that's not going to get through you if you don't do what he wants. No, because... You're given all the tools, all the information and all the training to, to go out and do your job. Every single one of them. You know, they all get individual attention from the, the backroom staff and from Gavin Strachan and Harry Kuehl for the, the winger players. So everything's given to them to, to be able to go and do it. So if you then turn up and it doesn't happen for you, you're always looking to yourself, first of all, and your teammates. And then what can we do to, to improve? And I think we'll, we'll see a huge response on Sunday as a matter of because of that yeah Matthew had mentioned something earlier on when we were chatting about you know just you know there has been some panicking and some negativity doing the rounds after the result and some fans and I do stress some uh, have maybe lost sight of just the roller coaster nature of, of competitive football this is this is sport you know it's, it's never plain sailing for the best teams in the world everyone you know has these moments and I suppose the question is Miff, are some of us guilty or are some fans guilty of just expecting complete success every single time and nothing less is acceptable? Well, first of all, I think that's an excellent question. Um, so, sorry. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that was your question. Was it? Oh, sorry. Um, so I, th- I think that's an excellent question. Um, I, I think the, the quick answer is yes. And the, and the reason I think it's, it's just human nature. You become, you know, even... The, so my, my two sons have never seen Celtic beat Celtic Park in the league. They've never seen Celtic beat Celtic Park in the league. The time that Rangers beat us, they weren't at the game. And that they've been to European defeats. I mean, my oldest boy, who's 11, you want to have seen the mood of him? <laughs> because it's never just, so it. He, he just doesn't, he doesn't know what that is. So he was like, I mean, still thunderous by the time we got home. The missus was like, ah, right, enough. She's gone, right, enough. Bah, bah, bah. He's away up, up to the room, sitting face like fizz. And I'm like, wee man, it's all right, don't worry. But it just, that... that if you think about that, look, it's human nature that you become spoiled. 
So when it goes back to, you know, things maybe being a wee bit tighter, you only need to feel the atmosphere sometimes when we go behind when the, the gaps maybe at seven points or nine points, you can still feel it then. So I, I do think I do think that general nervousness has came from a, as a result of previously having the league wrapped up fairly early and never been under a huge amount of pressure to then that that swing last season then you know we, we just kind of built that momentum it's been a wee bit different this year we've, we've been in front for a long time and we've, we've kind of tried to just maintain that but we have maintained it you know you just need to roll with the punches sometimes you just need to accept that that's it's, it's to and fro and it swings and roundabouts all those cliches I, and I do think an element that comes from we, we sit there waiting to be entertained now rather than just backing the team and allowing a young player coming off the bench to make a mistake and I'll use the example of Haksabanovic as well Firstly, I don't think Haksabanovic is a winger. I think he's a central player that's got, so. got to find you know, space space in the hole, so to speak, if I mean that a footballing term. So, the, you know, the the fact that he's been played out wide, he's tried to make things happen. He was trying to beat players. He just wasn't doing it. He just had one of the days where, even when he did get by a player, he did do it a few times, he picked the wrong option. He was trying to flick balls through when he should have ran with it. He was running with it when he should have passed it. Just all those types. He just did one of those games. And... I just look at that and I go, well, at least he's trying to do something. My attitude is, well, he's been played out wide. He's a creative player. He's trying to create. He's not having a very good game. That happens. That's fine. Maeda, again, when he's not got a lot of space to run into, that nullifies his game. They're not having deliberately bad games. You just try and back them in the hope that they've enough credit in the bank, surely, that you just go, right, well, come on, keep trying and something's got to happen. Instead, to me, the atmosphere feels like it turns and he goes, ah, oh, see, I, I told you he's useless. Aye. Quick, get, get. Get, oh yeah, we miss a badder straight away oh, we miss a badder no of course we miss a badder of course we miss Jota of course we miss a tatty but they're not there so back the players that are there and, you know because sure as hell they're not going to do any better for you going oh for goodness sake yeah Paddy I must lean towards it there but and as Angie said the players aren't robots so they were on this 17 game winning streak and keep in mind we haven't lost on Saturday you know it's disappointing not to win but you're still maintaining the unbeaten record um but it, you cannot just, you know, switch a button, flick a switch and just put the players out and just say, right, that's them. Um, they'll go and win it and we move on to the next. Human nature kicks in. There's a whole host of factors. And even though Celtic, with Angie's guidance, take this one game at a time approach, you can't be a Celtic player and not have the semi-final somewhere in the back of your mind, some more than others. But it's human nature just to, you know, do you maybe not want to get injured? Do you want to, are you trying too hard to impress? You know, different things going on. So you can't just flick the switch and expect to win every time. I think that kind of goes for, for both sides in that one then, you know, because I think uh, a lot of fans are thinking about the semi-final as well. Um, a massive factor being that we weren't at our best against them two, two or three weeks ago. Um, we allowed them back into the game needlessly, in my opinion. Um, but what we, we were on that day was clinical. When, it, when we needed to be um, and we could have probably have scored more the, the thing for me is that, is that that performance has probably spread that tiny little doubt that the team can be can be in a way got at but it's only our own downfall that allows that to happen we are for me we're miles ahead of any other team domestically so there is that expectancy that we go and we, we, we mop the floor with, with everyone I think that's a fair comment to make but as Anne says and as you've said yourself they're not robots. It's it's not going to always happen like that. Um, the semi-final is in the, the back of everyone's minds and it's uh, including the fans and it's definitely including the players. I think you're right there, but I still think we've, we've just got more than enough to go and run away with it. Dude, just just on that point as well, taking the semi-final out of the equation, the hardest thing to do is go over the line. 
And regardless of how far we are ahead, psychologically, the players knew you win that, you've pretty much won the league. So you've also got, and whilst there was a huge amount of time-wasting tactics, you've got a, a massively improved Motherwell team who now have a structure, a successful way of playing and a wee bit of belief. So that, that was also a, a contributing factor as well. I think Motherwell defended very, very well, even though it was you know really deep in their own box stuff and the goal we conceded was absolutely mental. They're, they're a different outfit than they were earlier in the season and even then we only beat them 2-1 I think it was it was still quite 2-1 twice in the league two, and 4-1 four, 4-1 yeah. four, 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 in, in the cup so it was quite you know relatively tight games when we've played them anyway getting over the line is a difficult difficult thing to do and the players are only human and, and I think the credit in the bank that I refer to is what they've done over the course of the season to get us where we are we are so comfortable in front that's it as, as a result of the great what the players and the manager have done so when you get to this stage and of course you're disappointed you're used to turning up and rolling teams over just a wee bit of perspectives needed. I think as well you've made the point, Miff, that getting over the line is the hardest thing. And I'm just I was looking through some fixtures from last season in the final five games, you know, after the split last season, we've drawn two of them. You know, we've not we've far from stumbled across the line, but you know, we drew with Rangers and then we drew with Dundee United and up until that point you'd been steamrolling everybody. There is no doubt that the psychology of football is a very real thing and it and it plays in. But as Miff says, James, that credit in the bank it's plentiful. You know, the players should have lots of credit in the bank and I think we just need to give them that bit of leeway. I've come away on Saturday a bit disappointed, not deflated, but a wee bit disappointed, but very quickly you shake that off and I just wonder if some folk have maybe, as you say, my perspective is so important and some folk maybe just haven't looked at the bigger picture. You know, you can get caught up in the, the myopic nature of, of the game that you're, you're watching, but afterwards you need to take a wee step back and, and just look at the bigger picture. Absolutely, and it's, it's so hard-earned that lead, you know, the, the efforts the players and the manager have put in and the, and the backroom squad overall. And, you know, there's a, a wider chat about you know, fan groups and stuff. Does that really help or does that concentrate the kind of noise in two parts of the stadium and the rest of the stadium kind of sits and lets them play that out? You know, so we're not really, you know, singing as much as we used to maybe and all that, all that kind of stuff. It's not like, so I watched the, the Arsenal game on Friday night and they are waiting to be entertained and they're 3-1 down at this point and it is silence. It goes 3-2, still silence. Can you imagine Parkhead 3-2 when you're on the cusp of a potential title win? Only when it went 3 each did they start supporting their team. So I don't think there's Celtic fans or Celtic Park is anywhere near that. But there's maybe, you know, we need to just give a bit more backing, mm-hmm. a bit more vocal yep. backing as well. Um, so the players know we're right behind them. Yeah. Final question on the, the topic, and it's, it's just a short question, but does... Celtic's record in responding to you know any sort of poor result does it appease your fears going into Sunday and you know is it maybe just a timely reminder as you say Paddy a, a wake up call a blessing in disguise for the players ahead of any sort of complacency they may have had as a resident warrior I'm going to come to you first on it um, well I, I don't think they should need a wake up call to be honest with you but if it acts as one great um, these games always worry me so if this does serve as that wake up call then it's it's worth going through an annoying 90 minutes to get the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. If you're asking the players to step up, are you going to step up and show some faith? I know, I need, I need, um, I need to get by my vigorous hand clapping. Come on, Celtic. That's what, that's that's my that's contribution. That's going. James, I do like to sing, but I'm getting to that age now where it's, you know, I I'll, wait, I'll leave it to the lads. James, does it, can I put to bed any fears you may have going into Sunday? No, I, I, I mean... I think basically Angela have had them in for the a good twenty minute balling. Um but he'll have wiped the slate clean, you know, as soon as that's done and he said, Right, that that's over. 
We've got a, a one-off game coming on Sunday here. Miff? No, I was just going to say, so he hit them in for about 20 minutes, did you say? Well, whatever it was anyway, but they couldn't get out and do their, I like their media stuff. I like that. But it'll have been, you know, we're not going to speak about this again. It's getting dealt with here now. And then it's like, that's over and done with. We've got a game coming on Sunday. It's a huge game. Angela been raging with that Bobby Madden performance last year in the semi-finals. The only one we didn't get. So he's going to have them fully, fully focused. So, nah, there's nothing lingering here. He, he knows what he's doing and he knows how to set him up for the next game. And that's what it is. Yeah. Paddy, I'm going to give the final word on this one to yourself. So Celtic's consistency over these last two seasons, it's been impressive from a, a very early stage under Ange and it's just continued to get better and better. Is it time for cool heads all round? And briefly, what kind of response do you expect from the players on Sunday? I, I don't see any reason for us to be worried at all. I really don't. I think if we play to our strengths, it's very easy to say this, but we, we should easily win next Sunday. Um, and I, I generally think we will. Um, it, it's what what we're up against is a Rangers team. It's their it's their cup final. This is their this is their biggest game of the season coming up. It's a big game for us and what's been a, a brilliant season so far. But for them, this is everything. It's people that are leaving. It's people that are um, clinging on to try and stay part of this this team. And it's also a chance for Willie Collum to to try and make himself look better again as well as a referee. So we're up against quite a lot on Sunday. But if we play to the sense that we know we can, we should win. Yeah, and I think you're spot on. James, like Ange, we've spent about 20 minutes on it. But sadly he's done and dusted now and, and we move on to Sunday. You hosting the pre-party? Eh? Ooh. No, I have to bring this up now. Uh, you've, uh, you've made me have to speak about this. I'm not going to the game on Sunday. <gasps> I, I genuinely didn't know that. An exclusive. Uh, I genuinely didn't know that. I'm away with work. The listeners will be sh shutting down as we I'm speak. away with work. Can we use your house? Absolutely not. <laughs> Can I have your house? <laughs> Can we use your house? Jeez, will you get to catch up? Aye, aye, thankfully. But my flight leaves five minutes after full time, so it better not go to extra time. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that, big man. I know. Feel your pain. Anyway, uh, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell. Uh, and we'll start with a quick reminder of last week's Mystery Cell for anyone who missed it. Miff, you would have got this. I know you would have, and I know you've got a, a love for the man, but clue number one, Alex Ferguson signed me for Aberdeen where I won the league in the 84-85 season. Clue number two, I played in the inaugural season of the English Premier League, but my team were relegated that season. And number three, I won the Scottish Cup with Celtic in 1995. And the answer, of course, was Willie Faulkner. Ooh, ah, Willie Faulkner, ooh, ah. So, if you sent the photo, but I know that Willie Faulkner was given the honour of meeting you at Air Races a few years back. Air Your Gold thoughts? Cup, Air Gold Cup nine years ago, and uh, that what I just did there was how I greeted. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he loved that. Was it, was it quite late in the day? Uh, it was after the last race, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, your thoughts on Willie Faulkner and his time itself? Well, I remember when we signed him, Louis McCarry said that he's not got to pull up any trees or something yeah, like that. He's, he's, he's not got to set the heather light, something like that. Cheers, cheers, and man. you were like, oh, he actually said that. No, he actually said that. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and you were like, oh, yeah, very good. He was right, but but, but, but no. Do you know what <laughs> I'll quite, say? Not quite. He he was, he was a, a decent player, Willie Faulkner, and he proved a good foil for Van Hooydonk Walker in the run to the cup. Um, and he scored, I think, he scored a couple of goals in the run to the final as well. Scored in the semi-final. Um, just I, I see at a time when you were just quite happy with somebody giving their all. Mm. Faulkner was somebody that that came onto the park and, and did that, and he played his part in that that cup run which came at a time when you know trophies were so barren so for me that that was a time when I was at high school going to the games every week home and away you know just I, I it just reminds me of 
maybe no happy times in terms of falling Celtic, but just aye, best days of your life. Yeah. So is your rightfully said, Murphy scored against Meadowbank Thistle um, in the earlier rounds. As I said, important goal. Yeah, they're now they're now Livingston, aren't they? Is that the No, they know Edinburgh City. No, 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 no. In fact, oh, yeah. they play no no Edinburgh City play at the old Meadowbank Stadium, but Livingston are now Middlebank, yes. Okay. Yeah, so just what I said. Uh, and oh, it's one of these. Yes, we did that. He comes in, starts wearing Adidas hoodies. Aye. Right? Because he's obviously cocked out with them. Now he's starting to do that. By the way, James, that is a lovely jumper. Thank you. It's a lovely jumper. That is a lovely jumper. Back to Willie Faulkner, lads. He scored against Meadowbank Thistle and he also scored in the semi final. Just a short fact file. So he signed for Celtic in early 94 for 350 grand. He was here for two years before moving on to Motherwell in January 96. Picked up a winner's medal in the 95 Cup final, having come on for Van Hooydonk at what stage in the game? 70 minutes. Aye, so, uh, 60th minute. 82. 39 minutes. And, and do you know, I was reading it and I'm thinking, I just do not remember that. You no. remember Van Hooydonk for the goal, which I think was in the ninth minute. But I think he'd been struggling for fitness in the lead up and just on reading in the last couple of days, uh, he was replaced after 39 minutes. So Faulkner played his part and then some. Uh, a bit of trivia as well, he played a part in the, the downfall of the old Celtic board when the bank refused to pay the first instalment of that 350 grand fee to Sheffield United. And that led to the resignation of directors Chris White and David Smith and then everything else that followed. So he's played his part he's on massive. and off the park. He sacked the board. Get him a statue. James, uh, an honest enough player uh, during a tough time for the club. Anything to add from Miff's comments? No, you know, I, I don't have a great recollection. And then I saw you'd put a couple of media bits out after this and it was, he played at the Hamden season, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why, because I've just gone oh, men yeah. in black for that whole season. It was tough. You know, um, so I don't have, have that many uh, great memories of him. But I do, I do remember him as, as, as an honest pro. You know, not top top drawer but certainly not you know he, he knew what the goal was so yeah and he's, he's played his part more than I thought as well yeah Paddy anything they had about Miff's boyhood hero I, again just quite the same as James I don't have a lot to, to recollect on him at all um, no <laughs> and that's fine <laughs> that's fine aye okay so let's move on to this week's mystery sell as always the first 10 listeners with the right answer win 30 days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus just head to our Twitter page at Celtic Exchange right now and you'll see the pinned tweet giving you the instructions so number one I've scored for and against Celtic in the Europa League nothing jumping out Barry not yet no Berge clue number two I've played in the Scottish Cup final one over Hearts in December 2020 that sealed the quadruple treble. Clue number three. I was once signed for £16 million. So you've got until I come back from reading this next section out to provide your answer. While the lads are having a wee think about the mystery cell, I want to give you a quick reminder of the additional content we provide to subscribers over on the Celtic Exchange Plus. We produce extra pre and post match podcasts for every Celtic game and we'll be recording an extended Scottish Cup special ahead of Sunday's big game at Hamden. And as always, we'll also be returning shortly after the final whistle on Sunday, Sunday with our full match reaction show. If you haven't already subscribed, you can enjoy this additional content for free by signing up right now for our complimentary seven-day trial. Simply visit theceltichexchange.com slash sign up where it takes less than two minutes to get set up and to join your fellow fans in enjoying everything we provide for subscribers. Our all-in package comes in at just over a pound a week, so if you enjoy what we do and want to hear even more from us across the week, then visit theceltichexchange.com slash sign up now. Muff, I can tell by your celebratory dance that you feel you've got the answer. Do you want to give it one more time? That is correct. So <laughs> um, we'll have that beeped out. Can I just say... Don't, you, don't you say make, anything that gives it away. No, no, because you might need to redo that, but you just did because the anger in your voice... <laughs> <laughs> it's emanating uh, it's emanating down the microphone it's not anger it's, just, going to buy it, that. it's bitter disappointment but, but to be honest I think 
you deserved it for that wee quip during the medal bank. I thought I it was quite so. snide, yeah. was, I, I don't think I deserved that. I've been quite a jovial mood tonight. I'm really enjoying it. And then I felt, I felt it was a bit addicted to the ribs. To be it was a wee bit snide. Bas- basically, this anger, uh, just for listeners and viewers, this anger's really, really materialising from Tino because at the end of the season, whoever is in the lead gets their dinner bought for them. That is true. So, breaking news No, that is the score, genuinely. The score is now, as of this evening, the score is now 9-7. You characters. Anyway, remember, if you think you know the answer, like Miff, to this week's Mystery Cell and want to win 30 days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus, then simply reply to our pinned tweet at Celtic Exchange using the hashtag Mystery Cell. Okay, let's now move on to the listener's question, which this week comes from one of our newer listeners, Tam McCluskey. Hi, lads. With the very obvious threat that James Tavernier poses from set pieces, would you consider dropping someone back onto the line for free kicks within 25 yards within his shooting range. Um, the thinking here is that they pose so little threat from open play against us that um, potentially this is one way to negate them even further. Thanks. So it's quite an unorthodox proposal from Tam, but as he says, Rangers in recent times have offered very little threat to us in open play and perhaps their biggest chance would come from a Tavernier free kick or similar. So on that note, should we consider dropping someone back onto the goal line to help deal with that? And just before we go into it, James, did you have a figure on how many or few of Rangers goals recently had been from open play? Against us? Yeah. Yeah, so it's scored five against us this season, two or 11 or 12, I think it is. Um, and three of them have been set pieces. So 60%. Three. Yeah, so it's worth considering a, an alternative. So um, before we get into Tam's proposal specifically, I don't think we managed to get around to covering Joe Hart's positioning for the, the last Avenir free kick. I think we were going in time ran against us. So Paddy, goalies union and all of that, what was your assessment on, on that goal? Was Hart at fault or what nah, was your take on it? It's a great free kick. It's a brilliant free kick. Um, I, no one's saving that. Not every, Even someone on the post isn't, is, is saving that. Like it's a, a tremendous goal. And... I think slowing it down when you see the, the replays, a lot of people started to doubt could Hart have maybe have mo- like moved a bit quicker towards it. When you watch it in real real time, it's a, a, a great hit. Yeah, I, I'm 100% in agreement with that. Same. I think you are too, James. What about you? I think you could have done better. <laughs> Do you genuinely? I genuinely. Nah, really? no chance. No what do you chance. think? Was his positioning wrong? Was he flat-footed? Just a wee, wee bit flat-footed for me. Quick across the line? I, I, I thought he could have got across. It's come so down and hit off the underside of the band. Lads, lads, it's a tremendous lads, goal. Lads, listen, listen. I know what you're saying. I know what you're but saying. that's just my opinion. Yeah. So, see, like, so Tavernier's one there and Jota's one in the Bernabeu, right? Sometimes the player just catches it right. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, check Real Madrid going goalie out. Cause I'm, not, I'm not saying Joe Hart out. Just, I'm just saying I thought he could have done a wee bit I better. I just caught it right. Same as Johnson could have done a bit better for the second goal. Yeah. But the whole thing, the whole reason you set up a wall is when you set up a wall, you say, if you can get it up and over that wall, fair play to you. And I'm covering uh, the other side. Does it completely absolve you though? I know, but it's not like he was miles it. He, he's, he's got as close as I think could be expected. I knew you'd be... A lot, of, a lot of people were saying that it's like, oh, it's not in the it's not in the corner or it's not into the left of the post or anything like that. But the fact is, it's it's definitely it's went up and over the wall and came down. I, I just no keeper saving that as a brilliant free the kick. Wall, the wall and the goalie when they're you know going through training drills, they're saying we've not covered the whole goal here. But if impossible. you do score, it's going to be some goal, and it was a good good strike, good strike. We could have saved it. 
Not like you, you but thank you, Smith. I'm not being contentious. That's a good, just, that's a good poll question. Man, man gives yeah. opinion on forum to give opinions. <laughs> Exclusive. Uh, and I'm going to ask you for another one. So, Miff, in terms of Tam's question specifically, so we see the draft excluder these days for a player lies down behind the wall, which I think is a nonsense. That 100% would have been me had that been a thing. <laughs> the, the only... 100%. S- sub you on. Aye. The only example... Big air. Don't you get... <laughs> no got to be any use at the end of the wall either. Don't you get me, man? Woomph. I think of Alan Thompson's free kick against Liverpool. But you don't see many folk doing that. It's pretty. I think it's a bit of a bit of madness to sacrifice one whole player, one whole human being to, to lie there when even he can a do half all one. Sorts of things. But the, the only thing I would say on that is it's it's going to be a shot at goal. So nine times out of ten, it's either going in the back of the net or maybe getting saved, put out for a corner. So you can sacrifice a player. Well, here's a question. So Tam's asking instead of that, or maybe in addition to that, should we consider a player back on the goal line covering one of the posts? No, I'm game for that. Eh? Right, I'm game for that. Eh? Definitely. I don't see the maths up for that. I don't see the point. I think I don't. If we've got spare men, I absolutely. Like well, well, so, so here's here's a, a more specific question. We take away the draft excluder mm-hmm. and we stick a guy just about inside the post for Tavernier. Put but that the draft excluder's Kyogo. You know, put him in the post. No, but you you know go actually ahead for find as as. Uh, uh, ex goalkeeper, not a very good one, mind you, but an ex goalkeeper. Uh, best goal in the room. That's best goal in the room. What it is, keepers union. They're all the same. They're all the same. They're all the same. They're all the same. No, anyone that's on my post at a free kick, they're, they're in my way. In your road, eh? Yeah. They're in my way. Uh, and you, James, <laughs> you're not a either? No, I mean, I think it's a cracking question because you know, you always want to see if you've covered all eventualities. I think the, the kind of guy in the post thing was a wee bit fashionable in the 90s. There was a wee bit of that stuff going on, experimental managers and, and stuff like that. Um, I think it, it causes confusion. It leaves you prone to playing guys on side for breaks of the ball and stuff like that. You know, there's, a, there's a lot goes against it as well. Um, and I don't get enough for it for me. So I, I wouldn't be for it personally. Okay. And just beyond uh, Tam's question or an extension at least, so Noel McGrath, James, who we know well and know submitted a couple of questions in the past, he went one further after Tavernier's goal the other week and actually suggested going with no wall. And I'd be interested in your take again, Paddy, the goalie. Um, the, the wall obviously blinds the goalie and it provides the striker with something to work around. You know, that way he kind of uses it to his advantage. So what do you think of the prospect of, of no wall? I, no, I just don't see how I'll, that... I'll need Dave for us with that <laughs> mental man. <laughs> just one big long penalty. Go, Tav, have, have, you know? To be fair, it could maybe put him well, off, well, his, that, that, off his game. I, I think the, the, the thought process there is he stands, Hartman stands in the middle of the goal. Aye, but... Which, uh, which then allows him to move to either side quicker aye, rather than he's not, himself. He's over. not moving quick though. That's the thing. That's the thing. And that was the problem with the original free No, kick. no, it wasn't. With no wall, you're basically saying a guy, you're going to need to leather this pretty accurately. You know, you've not got the chance to blindside me. You're going to have to just leather this and hope that I don't react. I think it's, listen, it's, it's unorthodox. doesn't mean it's wrong. We'll see if it listen, works on Sunday, right? Listen, <laughs> listen, nice training session you've got with your guys. Have them do that instead of running tell, tell me the numbers. And let Ange know. And I will phone Ange. Because what you also get Stevie is, Woods. It, it's not saying you need to absolutely you know, get this bang on to score it. If the goalie saves it, you've got all sorts of stramashes in the box and stuff. Your, your, your wall is there to protect you from a lot of that as well. Yeah, I mean, Celtic exchange playing our part in the evolution of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Up here. Aye, here's what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> here's how you can see mere goals for free kicks, lads. <laughs> um, okay, so that's, that's an interesting one because I suppose it gets you thinking. thinking about different things. Um, but I suppose in conclusion, in terms of the question, should we put an extra man back in the post? Muff's up for it. Paddy's not. James is not. 
Um, um, I'm not against it, that's all I'd say. So um, it's a really interesting one, something a bit different. And thanks again to Tam for sending in the question. If you want to submit your question to us for discussion on any future shows, then you can do so in one of three ways. Leave a voicemail directly on our website via the microphone icon on the bottom right of any page of the site. Send your question on social media at our Twitter, Instagram or Facebook page or email me directly on tino at theceltichexchange.com. Time for this week in Celtic Media, where each week we dig out something of interest from the world of Celtic Online. This week, James, is something which marks a great anniversary in Celtic's modern history. James, what have you got? Yeah, just 20 years ago today, Celtic beat Boavista in Porto to get through to the uh, UEFA, Europa, UEFA Cup final. Um, so I was lucky enough to be there with two good friends of the show, Danny McGee and Graham Byrne. And it was a real, you know, it was a tough, tough game to get tickets for. It's a real tight ground um, and... We managed to get, I think we got two of the three and then out of nowhere we got a connect with Magnus Hedman. So we got to get, uh, go out to the, the players' hotel. They were all coming in, coming in from the uh, training session the day before the game, all walking past. And we were sitting chatting with um, Brian Quinn and John, John, uh, John Reed. Oh, brilliant. Right. <laughs> Drinking Superbock. So, um, a lovely beer. A very nice beer. Very, nice very fresh and a warm day. Um, so obviously off to, off to the game there and the, the piece that's um, Paul Cuddy has done a really good piece in the, in the Celtic view about it a wee bit of a right up bit of chat from Henrik and then always, obviously the goal itself so it was a game where um, no ball boys goalies at it all that stuff and then we finally get to go 12 minutes from time we just absolutely collapsed you know, instead of jumping up and down you're, you're collapsed kind of thing and there's ball boys appearing from everywhere. <laughs> Fan, fans coming out the stands. <laughs> uh, and, and they got over the line and it was a, it was a brilliant trip all together. It was a night before, night off and night after, just the right way to do it, you know. So. Yeah, so the, the article in question, it's called A Moment in Time, Henrik's Goal Sends Celts to Seville. And it's from Paul Curry at the Celtic View. And at the end of the clip, uh, or the end of the article, sorry, there's a you know clip with the, the footage of the goal itself in various different angles. James, as you've mentioned there, as somebody who was there in Portugal that night, what's your recollections of the goal itself and the, the immediate moments that follow, is it just that collapse you mentioned? Chaos, aye, just absolute chaos. I mean, you, you saw there was something on it. It was just a really frustrating game and you saw, you know, Larson's played hearts and in, but he's closed down. But, you know, uh, Larson says in the piece, he, he said he's just being the wonderful striker he was. He said he felt something might break, so he went to an area. If, we, if it was going to break, it's going to break here. So that was we were right in line with that. We were in line with that 18-yard box. So we got a perfect view of it. You know, high, tight stadium. And then he just gets a sclappy shot on it. Goalie doesn't get it and the place goes absolutely bananas. Yeah. He just kind of scoops it, it over. Makes it makes it even better. I, it's I, just, it, and I, I don't say Henrik Larson has a, a weaker foot here, but it's, he's not on his stronger leg. He's, he's, he's basically just scooped his left yep. at it and hope. Flung it at And hope. Yep. And ah, just what a goal. It's just instinctive striker stuff. That's, that's exactly what it is, instinctive. Yeah. And just as James mentioned, so 24th of April 2003, 20 years ago exactly to this very day, Muff. It's crazy to think, you know, just that that's exactly where it was. What's your own recollections of that moment in Celtic time? Uh, Railway Tavern, uh, where I watched many, many of the away games. Um, I was at, I was at the home leg. Game last night. I was at the home leg. Uh, yes, I had Aberdeen game yesterday. That's a different <laughs> story. Might go on to that later if I've got extra time. Um, in the Railway Tavern, I had been at the home leg and again, the fans were a bit nervy that night because Henrik had missed a penalty um, and it was one each. Actually, Peter Mullen and Gash for Rabsinas but were sitting in front of me that night. That also stands out. Snuck a wee half-decker in. Um, but the 
Aye, it, it was pretty wild and you felt something was building that, you know, there, there was a bit of frenzy at that time because you knew this was a good team, you knew we could do it in Europe. The run had been amazing. Then we got to the semi-final against, let's be honest, a team that was less heralded than many of the teams we'd beaten and we thought we'd possibly fluffed our lines with the home leg. That The nerves of that night, I mean, oh, the sweat was lashing off me and that goal, I mean, I think if you'd a camera in the, the tavern, it celebrated many a... I Celtic go over the years I don't think any would have been more wildly celebrated there was still lagger dripping off the, the ceiling for well, many hours after it everybody's pints had been scaled left right and centre um, right down the front front of the big screen in the tavern just where, where the exit right, is right. Out, out the back to the, the kind of wee booths and that so yeah spent in there bounced into work very rough the next day um, and then planning the trip to Seville after it. Paddy it's a goal that's celebrated as much if not more than some cup final goals you've celebrated for Celtic it was just such a moment because you knew what it meant what's your own recollections as a teen might I add uh, 15 15 just a kid I, I, I good bit, god I know sorry to put that <laughs> on you but just even uh, kind of what you're mentioning there just it was celebrated so wildly I think the the frustration growing throughout the 90 minutes and the tactics that they they basically put through for that full game, no ball boys or um, basically nothing from the ref that night as well, uh, if I, I remember correctly. And you remember any time the cameras were cutting to cutting to Anil and he was basically constantly talking to the fourth official about this isn't this isn't fair, this isn't on, there is nothing here. And watching that clip back again today when uh, Celtic put it up as well, I, I loved the reaction of Ricardo, the goalkeeper. Oh, yes. Because yeah, he was at it the whole game. Tears, yeah, yeah. Almost in yeah. tears. Um, and it's just uh, amazing. Because, yeah, they, they just they played on it. They knew they'd get a brilliant result at Celtic Park. They were a solid outfit. They were very hard to break down. There's no denying that. But they knew that was a they, a grab and run at Parkhead and try and get, get the 90 minutes over and done with. They, they were a very good team. Mm-hmm. But they'd went about that second leg just to preserve what they had. Aye. They didn't come out and trick It's they, a tactic, you yeah, know. They, 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 they knew when we scored, they were done because yeah. they, they were too far entrenched in that Aye. tactic to try and switch around. Absolutely. They, just, they, they knew it was a, a really high risk and when that goal went in, they were done. Brilliant. Get it up, you Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo never misses an episode. <laughs> yeah. um, and just as an extension, this, so always great to do the trip down memory lane and nostalgia is not what it used to be and all that stuff. But James, beyond that, Fast forward to the to where we are now. Can Ange Postacoglu possibly get us to another European final, Europa League, Conference League, or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different permutations as to what we'd qualify for success um, in Europe next year. You know, a, a strong run in the Champions League would, would have to be counted on its own. You know, getting into knockouts and maybe getting past a round or two there. Uh, if we drop into either of the Europa or the Conference, then I think success will only be getting the final at least and then getting the trophy. And I think the way that Ange's built, you know, from the start to where we are now, to where we're going to be in August, you know, post-transfer window, I think there's a very strong chance of us doing well in whatever, you know, competition we end up. Paddy, I'm sure you'll have caught some of the games last midweek, you know, in terms of the, I think it was at the quarter-final stage of the Europa and the conference. There's teams there just now that you would fancy our chances against, aren't there? There is, there is. I think we are maybe just in the the middle of both competitions in terms of what, what we could do in it, I think. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from us for, from becoming a mainstay in this Champions League, but we've got to remember we're effectively new in it again. Um, and we need to get up to speed. You look at the 
the likes of Club Bruges, a team that have been in it five out of six seasons, they've realised the level they need to be at and the money they need to invest in it. I think for Celtic just now, we are still hovering, for me, in between that Conference League and Europa League kind of like level. Um, because Roma, Leverkusen, they, they are teams that could go and, and easily score a few against us. But it's up to us to get better and, and, and match that level. On the, the chat of, of both, it's only the Europa League we can go into. Uh, because next, of the yeah, because path of the, we're in. The path yeah. we're in, aye. So we, we don't see the, the Conference League next season, sadly. Because uh, I, I, like, I like some of the trips you got on that as well. They're brilliant. Um, <laughs> it's not all about you, buddy. Uh, no, well, listen, I'm, I'm beginning, beginning to realise that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Muff, uh, as Paddy says, we can only... We can only win the, the Champions League or the Europa League next season. What one are you going for? <laughs> Take your pick. Yeah. I, I think it would be lovely to get out of the groups and, and go on a run in the Champions League. But I think to be realistic, based on based on where we're at, drop them into Europa and, and hopefully going on a run in that, I think it's just more realistic, more achievable for where the squad's at currently. If Anchang's around though, who knows? Yeah. Generally speaking, Miff, are you more optimistic about our hopes in Europe going into yes. the next season there's been you know, tweaks to the squad and a couple of exits Juranovic uh, Giacomakis and the likes um, but you've seen guys come in you know Awata's a guy we're excited about and, and others to follow are you excited and optimistic? I'm excited because I think that there's the mentality was never got to change overnight and last season was mainly Ange firefighting to get the job done to get us back to an element of respectability from where we'd fallen previously I think that the, the hard work that's went in this season in the glimpse of the standard required that Champions League level is going to stand us in really, really good stead. Just look at the run we went on since that exit for the Champions League. Just look just look at what we've done domestically. It's of a more mentally robust team. Take Saturday out of the equation. Judge, judge it in what we do for year. Even even at that, there might be slips for the rest of the season, given that the league's the league's sewn up. But I'm I'm excited for next season. I'm excited to see what the season three of the Ange project brings, if you want to call it that, because there's there's no messing about. Everybody knows their job now. Everybody knows the standards that are required. I, for me, it just bodes well. And I think just this wee bit of success under Ange in Europe is all that's missing. Just now we've enjoyed great domestic dominance over the last couple of seasons, and now this will be the next natural progression. So it's exciting to see, and exciting to see how the team develops between now and Europe next season. So the piece that James has mentioned uh, for Celtic Media this week is a moment in time. Henrik's goal sends Celtic to Seville. Great read. It's just a short piece, but it just brings all those memories flooding back. And as always, we'll link to this one in the show notes for the episode. Paddy, a huge week ahead for Celtic and probably now the biggest game of the season coming up. We'll have our extended match preview on the Celtic Exchange Plus on Friday. But meantime, how are you feeling about it all? Yeah, I'm, I'm quietly confident. Um, I generally think that this team deserves a lot more respect. Um, and that's from all quarters. I really do. Uh, we always seem to be getting dragged in to this. Uh, we're not as far away as people think. We are relentless. We are a, a relentless playing football team at the moment. We've been outstanding, as Miff said even since that European run, but all all season to keep that up domestically, to keep that consistency there has been incredible. And I just generally believe they deserve a lot more respect than what they're getting. Yeah, fair points. James, are we now essentially one game from the treble? Your thoughts ahead of Sunday? Mm, yeah, yes and no. Um, just say it, just say yes. No, not when Alan Muir's still playing his trade. Um, absolutely not, man. Is he involved on Sunday? I think he is there somewhere, but he'll, you know, he's just, not. Just as a fan. He keep in, he keep <laughs> in, on. He'll be there in the final or whatever, you know, just, so that's against Cali Thistle, keep it there again. Not, just, not done till it's done, but yes is the answer. Um, 
yeah, I mean, Sunday's really what you know we're, we're, we're building towards. If you're going to win a treble, you're probably going to have to come across them at some point, and you're getting getting the semis to absolutely finish them and destroy them mentally for next season as well. So looking forward to it. <laughs> it's a uh, I mean we've spoken hypothetically in the last at least the last couple of weeks saying you know a Celtic only two games from a treble or three games from a treble you know kind of being a wee bit cute about it all but I really do think I mean that's one game you've got to expect uh, I said at the top of the piece it's Inverness or it's Falkirk in the final but Paddy you won on Sunday and it's party time it should be it should be um, I'm kind of with James in that ilk in the sense that I think we, we just never know with the, the the standard of refereeing in this country. You just never, ever know. Um, but it should be. We, we are good enough to do that. Did you see, just touching on refs briefly, did you see, was it Stuart Dougal yeah. condescending? Um, Barrison, talking man. about the Hibs guy that gets sent off. I just, I, I agree with the, the majority of pundits. It's just, it's just a th- he's actually not even tackled. He's flicked the ball away and then physics means that the body continues. And if that becomes a sending off, you're, you're in real danger of, of football becoming a non-contact sport. Shooting at goal. I can run in front of you, you can follow through with your leg from the shot, yeah. hit me and you're off, no goal, whatever kind of thing. So that needs looked at sharp. You're basically saying you can't draw your leg back to do anything. Yeah. How can you play football in that way? But it's just it's the way Stuart Dougal, and why is he getting a voice by the way, but it's the way he's getting rolled out to just speak to you like you're an idiot. Um, he's never disagreed with the referee's decision the whole time they've done this, was it called the verdict or something like that? Yeah. He's never disagreed with the referee's decision. It's like, just being referees union, just come on. I think uh, some chat. I think Michael Stewart gave him short shrift online today, mm. which is good to see. Anyway, Maf, getting back to things, where's your own confidence levels at just now? I know you ride the roller coaster ahead of such big games, so how are you feeling and what's your own final comments for the week? I'm feeling nervous, as I always do before these games, but that's just the way I am. Can't do anything about that. Um, final thoughts are the team generally are in a good place, but I think every Celtic fan will feel a hell of a lot better if we know. Jota and Hitati are going to be in the starting lineup. I think it's really just that simple. I think Hitati will make it. No. Is he, what is it? What is it? Hammy. Hammy? Ah, right, well, aye. So, yeah, listen, it's, it's down to the players. Over to the players, like I keep saying, this team have got a, an immense amount of credit in the bank. We just need to sit back and hope that they do the business. And I think they will. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we've got to trust them to go and do the business. Paddy, just on the, the injury front, so obviously Hitati. Jota and Abad are the big misses how important do you think they are to this side and if none of the three of them make it back are you still confident? I'm still confident um, I think that you know we, we only have to look at Kilmarnock last week and how, how quickly we dismantled them um, I'm still confident in the three that we have in, in the middle going forward for this game um, would I love Hitati back? Absolutely he's um, out with McGregor Him, I think both of them have had an equally successful season um, and Jota's a big miss Jota is someone that can break down for me any defence um, so yeah of course it's a big miss but I'm still more than happy with the two that we've got in because it's a type of game for Dyson Maeda it's a game he can get into and get in behind Rangers if he needs to as well um, and Haksabanovic he's got a lot to prove so yeah go for it From our uh, East Coast correspondent Tommy Toner um, saw him last night and he said the players who came on as subs on Saturday and Abada trained at, on Celtic Park after the game so I saw a picture of Bada bringing his boots and I thought that was, that was quite strange but that was what it was for so if he's at that level of training then I'd expect him to be fit for Sunday the other two we don't know Yeah I think it's par for the course if you come off the bench or not you go out and do a wee bit extra but great to see that Bada's been included in that yep. it's, you know, shows there's real 
optimism for him at least featuring on Sunday so that wraps things up on the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly thanks to James Paddy and Muff for joining me today and as always our thanks to you for listening remember to send your mystery cell answer to us on Twitter for your chance to win a free month of the Celtic Exchange Plus and beyond that don't forget to visit theceltigexchange.com slash sign up where you can start your free 7 day trial and enjoy all the build up and aftermath of Sunday's huge game at Hamden Park but in the meantime from myself and the team thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week. Network.